Welcome to the Resources for Integrated Care webinar, Safe and Effective Use of Medications in Older Adults. This podcast is excerpted from a webinar presented live on April 18, 2018. In this podcast, Donna Fick, professor at Penn State University's College of Nursing, discusses the individual, system, and provider factors in medication mismanagement. So like my colleagues, Todd and Tom, I'm giving you an evidence-based approach, and you'll be able to get some of these citations, I think, if you need them. But I really want to give you one that's based in practice in using real older, older adult stories to illustrate issues about taking medications, medication problems, and then how we might intervene. So Mrs. Ryan was a common, pretty common dually eligible patient that I worked with in California as a geriatric clinical nurse specialist and a care manager. She was an 82-year-old retired baker with COPD and an eighth grade education who was recently hospitalized for pneumonia. And she had a history of cognitive impairment, is on 13 medications, by the way, prescribed by multiple different providers. And when nurse Donna comes out to see her in her home today, her mini mental state exam is 22 out over 30. So she tells Nurse Donna that she did not refill her inhaler because she couldn't afford the copay, and she stopped taking her antidepressant. She, her son lives with her, and he is unemployed and does not seem to be helping with her care. And she's not able to tell Donna what the medications she takes are used for and is not sure what she should be taking since she came home from the hospital. Since in the hospital, as many of you know, she was started on multiple new medications, and there was little time when they suddenly decided to discharge her. Next um, slide, please. So let's build on our thinking about Mrs. Ryan. Again, going back a little bit to the evidence, and we will come back to Mrs. Ryan. So these are some of the like personal and demographic issues that put older adults at risk for not taking their medications properly and for having medication problems. I will say that um, I'm going to talk a lot about personal factors, but you, what you will see is it's not just person factors, and I think both Todd and Tom alluded to this. It's really health system factors, provider communication factors, um, uh, factors to do with how medications are um, dis, dis dispensed and taken during the day. So there's these multiple sort of system factors that interact. These, most of these factors you see are based on a systematic review by Rand Health and a systematic review by Gallaudet et al. in 2011. And most of these you will see in our actual case. So this one is about mental state. You'll see that many of the factors with mental state interact. We heard Todd talk about how the duly eligible have over twice the amount of cognitive impairment. And several studies have found that forgetfulness and memory complaints are one of the biggest barriers for older adults taking their medications properly, particularly if they don't have assistance of a caregiver. Um, it's important, of course, to understand that these factors interact with the degree of assistance. So you can't just assess mental status, though that is critical, but you also have to look at who's helping them with their medication and what is their system. And another study found that a mini mental state exam less than 24 is associated with problems taking the medication. And remember our, our case, Mrs. Ryan had an MMSC of 22. Next slide, please. The older adults also have physical factors that was found in the review by Rand and McGillard. 
And many of these physical factors are really relate to not just physical conditions and number of comorbidities. And I think you saw that slide, which even wowed me from um, from um, Dr. von Sternberg, that showed you know 20 different conditions. And again, that's not uncommon. We also see again that this is more common in dually eligible. Um, so parsing out the physical factors can be more difficult and complex, but try to keep in mind um, knowing what their conditions are, but more importantly, knowing how these conditions impact their function, their physical function. Next slide, please. This slide may be one of the most important ones I show in terms of um, risk factors for not taking medications um, properly. And why I say that is because most of these are modifiable and we're able to be changed or supported with, um, with proper assistance and proper um, communications. Many of these are likely influenced by the relationship they have with their provider or with their health coach, which you'll hear about more later. So again, these, these can be overcome, or their case manager, as many of you on this call are. Um, so for instance, just a couple examples. Um, several studies have found that patients who gave a lower priority to discussing their hypertension meds with their provider had more problems with them. Patients who didn't see their condition, whether it was diabetes or hypertension, as a threat had more problems taking medications properly. So it's not just giving them the medication, it's helping them understand about their condition, and we'll talk more about this later, but really understanding what matters and what their beliefs are and their attitudes towards their, their chronic condition um, and their medication use. Next slide, please. Here are another, a couple, a lot of other factors, really, which he, I kind of threw together, but these really, again, are a combination of a few personal factors, um, such as um, living alone, um, whether or not they have a caregiver support, but a lot of these really are provider issues, communication issues, and system issues. So what is the complexity of the medication pill delivery? Again, these are things that can be um, addressed, and we'll talk about that in a moment. And a major underlying theme of many of these is communication. We saw many of these in the case of Mrs. Ryan, that she had a caregiver but wasn't clear how much support she was, um, she was get, actually getting from that caregiver. And what else? Low socioeconomic status and um, hospitalization in the past six months. So this, this issue of the transitions are critically important, critically important. Next slide, please. So what do we do about this? Again, I'll say that if, and if you remember nothing else from my talk, if we don't start from understanding what matters, it doesn't sort of matter what we do. So pulling everything that you've learned together so far in terms of what medications put people at most risk, what conditions put them at most risk, what personal factors, but asking individuals what matters and understanding their beliefs and values around not just medication, not just prescribed medication use, but also why are they taking that over-the-counter medication? Why are they taking that herbal medication? So again, understanding what matters to them, what their biggest concerns are, and what kind of things are keeping them up at night. It's very, very critical in older adults to assess their mental status. You know, you cannot know how much support they need or if they can take their medications correctly if they don't. Um, my expertise is actually delirium and dementia, and I'll say that the brain, though it's one of the most important organs, sometimes we're embarrassed to assess it. So don't apologize for assessing mental status. Assess it. 
Um, also, vision and hearing, which, which of course interact with the um, issues with cognitive impairment. Know how medications are accessed and paid for. Again, the case of Mrs. Ryan, you would think, um, and this was 20 years ago, but you would have thought, okay, you don't have $8 to pay for your copay, but for many of the duly eligible, that's, um, that, that's actually a reality. Um, simplify instructions. Several studies have actually showed it's not just um, health literacy per se in terms of um, um, in, in terms of reading, but it's also oh, many older adults or people with cognitive impairment have issues with numbers, so using images rather than numbers. Also, technology. Next slide, please. Um, this is an example of a person-centered approach, and I won't say a lot about this except say that we use these in our health system. So. If you are de-prescribing, you're trying to take people off unnecessary medications, you also have to say, okay, if I'm going to take you off this sleep medication, then let's work with you for sleep hygiene, figuring out are you going to bed at 8 o'clock and waking up at 2 in the morning? Well, if you look at aging sleep architecture, that might actually be normal. Um, we use this in particular with persons um, with dementia or cognitive impairment. So if they wake up at 2 in the morning and they're agitated, the nurse says, okay, I know what kind of things make you feel relaxed. I know what kind of things make you scared. I know what the family member you're most close to. <clears throat> um, this can be made on a PowerPoint slide um, very, very simply, and you can um, print them out. And it's actually, it says here that it's a form, but it's the ones that we use are actually a poster. And the other thing is the older adult can take it from setting to setting. So they can take it from the hospital to the assisted living, to the skilled nursing facility, or back to home. Next slide, please. This is just some examples of technology that you can go back and look at later. But I will say, I think that the use of technology, um, particularly um, um, voice-assisted digital technology, to remind older adults to take their medications is very important. A recent study by Chris Wazinski, this is a critically important study for nurses where she looked at individuals who were getting psychoactive medications for delirium, and she showed them when they would get agitated, she showed them a one-minute video of family members reassuring them and calming them down, and she was able to significantly decrease their agitation scores. So, you know, using technology to avoid inappropriate medications. Next slide, please. So back to the case of Mrs. Ryan. Um, these are just an example of uh, many things that were actually done for Mrs. Ryan that, that we've sort of, this, I hope this sort of brings together a lot that we've talked about. So the nurse conducts a home visit, addresses her mental status and memory issues, and she talks with Mrs. R about what she knows. She actually has her um, look at each um, medication. The other thing is, if she's opening her, can she even open the bottle of medication? Can she actually see the label on the medication, and does she understand why she's taking them? Is this something that she was prescribed when she was 45 years old and she never questioned now at 75 and 85 whether it's still helping her? A social worker to help out with um, the very clear issues with Mrs. Ryan in, turn, in terms of paying for medication and also to look into other community aging resources such as transportation to get to her medications, home aids, and financial assistance. Um, the pharmacist, again, can assist with a de-prescribing plan as um, Todd explained and gave information about, and that's a great website, deprescribing.org. You can actually print out um, um, papers there to use with patients and consumers. 
and then the physician could um, consider a referral for medication therapy management, which is covered by Medicare Part D to do some of these things, such as a medication reconciliation and developing a schedule that increases, decreases the complexity of her 13 medications. And then very importantly, the care manager who really pulls all of this together, assists with understanding the chronic conditions in the context of all of this, and might offer also help offer some non-drug alternatives. Next slide, please. I'll just say, you can go back to this slide later, I'll say two things of it, is remember to reinforce with older persons to never stop a drug just because they're on a list without first con consulting their clinical provider, because again, they may need to be tapered, um, and they need to understand it in the context of everything else that's going on with them. On the right, you'll see an um, article, it's actually called, How Should Nurses Use the Beers Criteria? And this would apply to the Start-Stop Criteria too. And you can access this at the editorial, so you can access it for free on Helio.com. Next slide, please. So just to summarize, a couple of things that I think are really important in terms of um, safe and effective use of medications is to have a system that engages individuals and caregivers really as partners, again, as partners, even persons with dementia who you may think, well, I'm going to talk to the caregiver. No, don't do that. Also talk to the person with dementia or the person, talk, talk to them actually first or, or talk to them together. Um, we also need medication lists that are really truly informative lists but that are also portable and consumer friendly. So many times we create lists that aren't necessarily friendly to, to the consumer. And then a team approach, which I think we've talked about. And that team can even include, in our case at Penn State, we many times work with engineers to think about how can we do this differently or better. Next slide, please. So I'll, I'll um, end and turn this over um, to Maricela was saying that and I'll also steal a quote from Don Berowitz from the Institute of Healthcare Improvement in his recent talk where he said, the best way to address medication use is all together or not at all. This is truly one that um, requires an interprofessional, interteam team approach where we have cooperation, not competition, with a shared purpose. Thank you for listening. This podcast is presented by the Lewin Group and is supported through the Medicare-Medicaid Coordination Office at the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services. MMCO is dedicated to helping beneficiaries enrolled in Medicare and Medicaid have access to seamless, high-quality health care that includes the full range of covered services in both programs. To support providers in their efforts to deliver more integrated, coordinated care, MMCO is developing technical assistance and actionable tools based on successful innovations in care models. To learn more about our current efforts and resources, please visit our website or follow us on Twitter for more details. Our Twitter handle is at integrate underscore care.